Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 this morning. We continue, or of course, we're really thinking about celebrating, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Galatians 4, 4, in exactly the right time, God brought forth his son into the world. We think of this as the Christmas story. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a human being. Why? Why would he do that? So he could die for us. So he could die for us on the cross. That he could pay for the sins of the whole world. That he could be the savior of mankind. This morning, we're looking at a very famous passage. We've seen it many, many times, and, and we're going to look, and we're going to raise some questions, like who was speaking, and what was the message, and what was the response, and how did all this fit together? We'll see it as we look this morning. I love Christmas. It's, it's probably my favorite time of the year, because we think of the birth of Jesus Christ, and each of us has our own special memories. You had a lot of them, whether it's about trees, or songs, or presents, or time with family. Christmas is special. Uh, and you know that I, my family did not go to church. So when I was a boy, we didn't go and go to Christmas messages or anything like this. But I knew the Christmas story because uh, my second grade, first grade, second grade, third grade teacher, we had the Christmas story at, at school. We had a play. The teacher would sit down and she would read Luke 2. And of course, it was from the King James. And it said, and the angel Lord came upon them and they were sore afraid. I thought, what does sore mean? But anyway, apparently they're scared. And so we, we, we heard that I heard the Christmas story. And uh, at Christmas, we focus on the birth and we think about, that's called the incarnation, where God became a human being. The baby born in Bethlehem is indeed the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, that exactly the right time came. And so when we think about the message of Christmas, we're thinking, unto us a child is born. That child is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. That's who he is. So today, we're going to do something. We won't be very long, but I want you to look at, we'll look at the background of the birth, the gift of God, the events of the birth, and then the announcement. And we're going to look at four things there, the audience, the speaker, the message, and the response. And we'll, we'll go through this quickly. It'll just be a, a great story that we all know. So let's start with the background of the birth. And realize this, that the story of the baby being born in Bethlehem is really God's love and God's gift. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. When we think of the great verse, John three sixteen, that's really it. God so loved the world, he loved us, that he gave his only begotten son to die and rise again. God loved the world, God gave his son. When we think about gifts, we, of course, everybody thinks about Christmas. What'd you get for Christmas? Let's give this. We want to make sure we give all the presents. But when we think about it, God gave a gift to us. Christmas is really what God has given to us. I want you to think about it. First of all, the gift is not deserved. In fact, gifts are never deserved. A gift is something freely given. If you have to earn it or do something for it, it's not a gift. But God gave a gift, and that is it, the grace of God. The gift is the Son, Jesus Christ. It is God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. It is not a, 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 a thought or, or some kind of something. It's a personal relationship the eternal Son of God became a human being. And the third thing, it's all based on love. First John 4, 9 and 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. So you think about this gift. It's a gift given from God based on his love to us, and it's the Son, Jesus Christ, that is the gift. So it, you're, I hope you're in Luke chapter 2, and I, I want you to, to we're going to go quickly through this. We're getting into the background of the birth. Look at verse 1, chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. This is a very famous story. Most of you have heard this all of your lives, and uh, I can still remember the first time I ever heard it. I think I was in the second grade or either the first grade, and it was the first time I ever listened, and the teacher read it. 
And I remember thinking about it, going, wow, that, that's the story of the baby Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Uh, earlier, an angel had come to Mary. Now, she was probably a young girl. She could have been as young as 14. She may have been between 16, 17 years old. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And an angel appeared to her out of nowhere, scared her to death. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I have this good news for you. You're going to have a child. The child will be the son of God. The child will take the throne of his father, David. This child will be the promised one that will come as the Messiah and the king of the world. She understood that that baby that she was going to have would be the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Now, it, it shocked her because she didn't understand. And she said, well, I don't understand how these things can be. And they said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And that which is born in you is the Son of God. Well, she believed it. And then she left to go visit her cousin. And later, Joseph found out that the one that he was engaged to was pregnant. And she came back and said, because she'd been gone about three months, and she came back and said, I've got some good news Uh, I'm going to have a baby, and it's from God, from the Holy Spirit, and this baby will be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you can imagine Joseph thinking, I think she's lost her mind. That's what he probably thought. And so he said, you know, I love this woman, but I can't. I mean, she's been with someone, and so I've put her away quietly. But while he was sleeping, an angel came to him in a dream and said, don't be afraid to take Mary. Because that which is born in her is the Son of God. You're going to name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so they're together. And Joseph says, I know that this baby is the Savior of the world. And Mary says, I know this baby is the Savior of the world. Now, regardless of what anybody else thought, they knew that. Well, the decree went out in those days from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken of the inhabited earth. Well, why? Because Caesar Augustus said, I need more taxes, so I want everybody to be registered and to be counted so that I can tax them. Verse 2 says, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You know, it just so happened that Caesar Augustus decided to have a census. Paul says in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. Fullness of time literally means at exactly the right time. God sends his son into the world. Well, what did people have to do? It says, and everyone, this is verse 3, and everyone was on his way to register for the census east to his own city. See, everybody had to go back to their, homes, their, home, their, their home city, basically, their hometown, because that's where the records were kept for each family, for each group. And so Joseph went up, as it says in verse 4, from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, they were living in northern Israel, to Judea, southern Israel, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And this because he was the house of the family of David. That's King David's hometown. And Joseph and Mary were both descendants of King David. So they had to go back to where their hometown was, to go back to be counted. Now you can imagine the northern part of Israel to the southern part of Israel is over 200 miles And they were in the northern part of Israel, which Nazareth is fairly close to the Sea of Galilee. But they've got to go all the way south, all the way basically to Jerusalem, and then six miles south of Jerusalem to a little town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem wasn't famous famous. It wasn't famous then. Jerusalem was the famous city. Hebron was a famous city. 
Capernaum was a famous city. Nazareth was not a famous city. Bethlehem was not a famous city. Except, if you look at Micah, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Isn't it amazing how God worked it? That Joseph and Mary were living in Nazareth, and so God allowed Caesar Augustus to take a census, and everybody had to go to their hometowns, and Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem. Verse 4 again says, So Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David in order. Why did he go? In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So they've made this long trip. And you can imagine a 200-mile trip with a, a, a young girl about to have a baby. And how did they get there? Did they have a donkey? Did they, what did they ride? Did they, rock, did they walk? Did they ride? It doesn't tell us anything. It took them a long time. By the time they got there, all of the places were filled up because people from all over had to go back to their hometowns. And so by the time they got there, it was full of everywhere. Even the, the inns, which were not like Holiday Inn, they were not a good place. There would be a place that you wouldn't want to stay, but it'd be better than being outside. But when they got there, there wasn't even a place for them to go. And we can almost imagine that somebody, or maybe the innkeeper, who knows, said to them, listen, the only thing I got, you can go out in the stables. You can go out there where we keep the animals. And that's all I got for you. And so they did. And it says that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Think about it. The time, was t- the time for the baby. Exactly the right time. When you think about this, it was the exact time according to Galatians 4, 4 in the fullness of time. And it was the exact place according to Micah chapter 5 verse 2 to be born in Bethlehem. So amazing. She gave birth She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I like this quote. A guy by the name of Eugene Sterner says, Christmas is when God came down the stairs of heaven with a baby in his arms. God gave us a baby. But that baby just isn't a baby. That baby isn't just a little cute baby. That baby grows up to be... uh, King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Messiah and the Savior and the one who would die. It says she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth, laid him in a feed trough. That's what a manger is, a feed trough, because there was no room for them in the end. There was no place. This is her firstborn son. This is the God-man. This is God who became a man. The baby that she has is of Mary and the Holy Spirit. This is the Son of God. As Isaiah 9, 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given. The child is born because he's a human being, but the son is given. The son isn't born, the son is given because he's the eternal son of God who's always existed. Here is God's gift of the son. Well, they wrapped him in cloths to keep him warm, and they laid him in a feed trough. There was no room for them in the end. This is a fulfillment of Isaiah seven fourteen that a virgin would have a child. And she would call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. The first Christmas gift is God's gift to us, the Son, Jesus Christ. And that gift was given 2,000 years ago. But what is so amazing is God's gift of Jesus can be received at any time. 
John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. If you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you become a child of God. You take the gift of eternal life, which is through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8.9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. God has a gift for us. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, by this the love of God was manifested, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son. Whoever receives Jesus Christ receives the gift of eternal life, the gift. So the first Christmas gift is the Son. God gave us his Son. We never should take it for granted. We should always be excited. I know that sometimes we think of Christmas and we think of giving presents and being with family and eating food and just having a great time, and we should do that. But the real purpose of Christmas is to remember that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. Think about this special time. I always think about the birth of the Messiah. Not a famous woman. In fact, a poor, young, virgin girl of Nazareth. If you saw her, we can't imagine what she looked like, but I imagine she might have been 16 years old. Because at that day and age, people married at 15, 16, 17. Men usually were 18 to 20, and the girls were usually 14, 15, 16, 17. If you were a woman and you got into the 20s, where's the matchmaker to make this thing work, right? So Mary was probably a young girl. Not a famous girl. And not a major city. Not Jerusalem. But a little town south of Jerusalem, six miles from Jerusalem, maybe with a thousand people in it. Maybe not even that many people lived in Bethlehem in those days. And then not a special room. Not some special room, but a, a place where animals were and placed in a feed trough. What a gift. Well, let's see the announcement, because this is my favorite part. And because we're going to see four things. We're going to see the audience, the speaker, the message, and the response. And this is the part that I can always remember as a young boy, my teacher reading. This is the part I remember. Four things. The audience, the speaker, the message, the response. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. The first audience will be the shepherds. By the way, they're the common people. In fact, they're not even the common people. Realize that he came to the shepherds, the angels did. Not the religious leaders. That would be the high priests. That would be the Levites. That would be the Pharisees. That would be the rabbis. They didn't come to them. To political leaders. That would be Herod the Great. That would be Pilate. That might even be Caesar Augustus. No, they didn't come there. They didn't come to a wealthy businessman, a person who owned some shops and, and made money. No. They didn't come to those of high social status. They came to the shepherds, the working class. In fact, as we said, the common people, sometimes shepherds were even looked down upon as the common people, beyond the common people, because they had to stay outside, and they were smelly, and they were with animals all the time. And, and so shepherds were not high on the list. So why the shepherds? Because one day this baby is, will be called the good shepherd. 
One day this baby will be the one who lays down his life for the sheep. He says, my sheep are my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them and they'll never perish. Nobody can pluck out of my hand. My father gave them to me is greater than all. Nobody can pluck out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. That's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and gives us eternal life. That's why he goes to the shepherds. So the first audience, the shepherds, who's the first speaker? An angel. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. They didn't come to the high priest or the rabbis. They came to the shepherds. And it wasn't a religious leader who came and told the shepherds. It was an angel. It was not a person. It was a very powerful being. It was a spirit being. These angels are spirit beings created by God. In fact, the Bible says that they're his messengers. The word angelos in the New Testament, the Greek word for, for, for angel, actually means messenger. And so this angel is coming with a message. They're very powerful beings. That's why whenever anybody sees an angel in the Scripture, they're always afraid. One angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel killed 185,000 soldiers. They're very powerful beings. They're called ministering spirits. There's angel of the Lord. they, They represent him and serve him. It says an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Can you imagine being out there at night and, and there's not lights? There's not street lights. They're out there and suddenly there's this glory. An angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terribly frightened. We would be scared to death if we saw an angel. If we saw an angel even now, if an angel appeared right here, right now, all of us would be scared. They're powerful beings. And so this angel appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. So we see the first uh, people who are going to get the message are going to be the, the, the shepherds and the first speakers, the angel. But what is the first message? Look at the first message. Verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Of course they're afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I always love this. Good news, great joy. To all people. The good news is the gospel. The great joy is the joy of salvation. And to all people. is not just to shepherds and not just to Israel. But to every human being. This message is to be proclaimed. That whoever believes in Jesus Christ. Has eternal life. Wow. So look. The angel goes on and says. Let me give you the, 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 the message. Let me give you everything. Verse 11. For today. In the city of David. There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, the shepherds knew the city of David is Bethlehem. They knew that. They didn't have to say, today born in Bethlehem. They said, today born in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us the child is born, unto us the Son is given. Isaiah seven fourteen. the virgin will have a child, and they will call him Emmanuel. Notice. A Savior has been born. A Savior. Uh, not a great teacher, although he's the greatest teacher of all. Not a great speaker. I'm sure he's a great speaker. Not just a helper. Not just a friend. Not just a good man. The one born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world. The one who would come and die on the cross to pay for every sin of every human being that's ever existed and ever will exist. 
and he rose again to conquer death for every human being who's ever existed and will ever exist. He died and rose again, paying for sin, conquering death, and giving as a gift the gift of eternal life simply by faith. All who believe have eternal life. The angel says, today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, notice Christ the Lord. The word Christ means the anointed one of God, and the Lord, Lord, Lord means, means deity. The one born in Bethlehem is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God who has become a person. We never should forget what the true story of Christianity is. We'd say the story of the Bible is how this perfect God brings fallen, sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. But his son just isn't anybody, just any certain person. The son of God is the God-man who became, who is God, who became a person to die for us. Well, if you were there, you'd be scared, you'd be shocked, but you had heard this message that the Savior of the world has been born. You might question and say, well, good, how are we going to find the baby? I mean, surely Bethlehem is full of people, more people than we can imagine, more than we've ever seen because they've all come back. And surely there's more than one baby in Bethlehem. How are we going to find the baby? Well, the angel says in verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, that's going to be unusual. Find a baby in a feed trough? And then suddenly, suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he's well pleased. I know we've oh, angels we have heard on high, and they've always sang and everything, but this passage doesn't say they sang. Maybe they did. Maybe they sang off to the side or something. But anyway, it says they were praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Why? Because God has fulfilled his promise of a savior to the world. And on earth, peace among men with whom he's well pleased. God is pleased with those who believe. We've seen... The first audience is the shepherd, the first speaker is the angel, the first message is good news of great joy to all people, the Savior is born. Well, what's the first response? What are the shepherds going to do? Well, they believed the message and they told the message. So look at verse 15, they believed the message. Then when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the, the shepherds began saying to one another, wow, let, let's go straight to Bethlehem then. Let's go and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. We, we believe this. We believe this. We want to go into, this, into the city and we're going to go around and we're going to look for places where there are animals and we're going to find a baby in a feed trough. We're going to go. They didn't doubt it. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the message? Do you believe that there was a baby born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago who is the Savior of the world? We call him Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that he is the Savior of the world? Do you believe that he is your Savior? Have you believed in him for eternal life? They did. And so what happened? 
They made known. Look at verse 16. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the feed trough in the manger. And when they'd seen this, what did they do? They made known the statement which had told to them about the child. They said to Mary and Joseph, you understand that angels just told us this baby is the Savior of the world. Good news, great joy to all people. Born this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. This is the Messiah. This is God. This is the Savior of the world. They made known that message. At this Christmas time, have we made known that message? Is our message about Santa or presents or trees? Or is our message about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? Well, look what happened. It says, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. If people everywhere, I'm sure people came and said, hey, I heard there's a baby out there, a brand new baby. Let's go out and look at the baby. But all the people that were around there, they heard and they heard the statement that had been made about this child. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She could be saying to herself, I, I know this is true. The angel told me, and now the angel told them, and now we have the baby, and here he is. And he's not just a baby. He's the Savior of the world. Well, look what they did. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told to them. What are they doing? They're praising God. They're glorifying God for all that they had heard and seen. They heard the message. They saw the baby. Do you and I make known the message of what we know about Christmas, of what we know about Jesus, what we know about salvation? Think of what we see, the background, God's gift, through Joseph and Mary coming to Bethlehem and the birth of the Savior. And then the announcement, the audience were the shepherds, the, the common people. The speaker was an angel, a messenger from God. The message was good news, great joy to all people. A Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And the response, they believed the message and they told the message. So what do we do? Well, first of all, Let's understand the true message of Christmas. It's a great, it's a great time. It's, it's, as they say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it is. I love it. But it's really not about toys or trees or presents or decorations or food. It's about the Son of God who became a human being. The eternal God left the glories of heaven and became a human being. Born into this world, God so loved us that he gave his son, Jesus, to come and die and rise again for us. And that anyone who would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life. Let's understand what Christmas is really all about. It is so great. And then, let's believe and proclaim the message. What did the shepherds do? They believed the message and they went and proclaimed it. Do you believe the message? I hope and pray that everyone in this room, if someone asked you and they said, would, are you, would you able to go to heaven or do you have eternal life or, or do you have a relationship with God? You would say, I have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, came into the world to die and rise again. And I have believed in him to give me the gift of eternal life. If you never understood that right where you're sitting right now, you can put your faith in Christ for eternal life. That's his offer to you. 
He says, I will give you eternal life when you believe in me. And I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. The second thing is to proclaim the message. All of us who know Jesus, what do we do at this time of the year? I know it's easy to talk about trees and gifts and presents and everything, but we need to tell them about the greatest gift of all. And that gift is God's son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't stay a little baby. He grew up. At 12 years old, he went into the temple that he knew more than all of them there because he's God. And at 30 years old, he began a ministry. And after three, three and a half years, he went to the cross for us, taking our sins upon himself, paying that penalty, dying three days later, rising from the dead to conquer death and offer as a gift eternal life simply by faith. May we proclaim that message.